All right, we're going to get things rolling here. Getting things kicked off a little earlier today. There's a lot to talk about. There's a couple stories too, like, again, not directly related to Hedera or Hashgraph or different things like that, but there's like lots of things happening. Um, I think what people see kind of behind the scenes, like with a lot of suits in the back room, boardrooms and the government, big business, big banks, big investors, um, the decision makers, right? <laughs> um, it's funny because there was one thing recently, and I'll just kind of, I wanted to share a couple thoughts on this just as we kind of wait um, for some folks to come in here to the live broadcast. But um, <clears throat> there was something recently that the co-founder of um, Hedera, Mance Harmon, now the co-CEO of Swirls Labs, said recently on an interview, he said that um, he was asked the question of, where do you see the crypto market going? And when do you think the bear market will kind of end, you know, or let up? Um, and so Mance, Mance Harmon said he doesn't see things letting up for the next 12 to 18 months. And he says largely it's because of the fact that a lot of, you know, the regulations in the in the U.S., that environment, businesses, individuals, just being unsure of what's going on, it's created an environment where, if you look elsewhere outside the U.S., right, like if you look in um, other areas of the world, like especially Australia, um, you have different regulatory environments. You have different stuff going on, and so innovation happens at a different pace. Like even out in Dubai too. Like last last episode on Friday, I interviewed. Um, Oliver Thorne, who was the who's the social media manager for Hedera, all the posts and everything that you see from Hedera are created by him. I talked with him on Friday. Um, talked about the posts that got deleted, why Hedera followed Sony. That was a very interesting interview. And he's in Dubai, right? And so there's these there's so many different places and spaces outside of the U.S. where innovation is happening. And so Mance Harmon, when he says, you know, the next 12 to 18 months, he says it's largely due to that. And it's largely due to the fact that the current administration in the U.S., um, they're going to continue to handle crypto the same way that they've been handling it. So that's Mance's take. But one thing that he said is he was kind of asked, so what would need to happen for a big change before, you know, the, the that kind of 12, 18 months? And Mance basically said, it would be Wall Street. Wall Street would be the catalyst to have a bunch of changes happen. And it really makes you think because crypto is exciting. It's, it's growing. There's so much interest in it. And there's so many real world use cases being built, um, not just on Hedera, but on so many other networks. Um, things truly feel different. But the reality is, is that the market cap of the entire crypto ecosystem is less than, you know, one company, Apple. So it's still in, in the big scheme of things that you can still consider it small. Um, but there's all, you can make all sorts of different arguments both ways. <clears throat> the point here is that what I'm noticing is from many people, right, including the co-founder of Hedera, Mance Harmon, 
<clears throat> is the consensus is that the any big change that's going to happen is going to come from Wall Street. Um, same thing with you know regulations with the government, all those different types of things, big organizations, right? The major Fortune 500s. It is the decision makers. That's really kind of what it comes down to at the end of the day is what I'm hearing is there are bigger dynamics at play and unfortunately, you know, very centralized dynamics. The things that are ultimately going to affect the trajectory and and the behavior of this of the crypto ecosystem is going to be driven by either just the regular cycle, again, which people are predicting for the next 12 to 18 months, or is going to be driven by something outside of crypto. And so we're seeing the spot ETFs, right? Recently, Kathy Woods, Ark Investments, just uh, talked about um, their Bitcoin spot ETF. And if you're not familiar with, you know, what that's all about, um, you know, Bitcoin is difficult for a lot of people to get. You know, there's there's all sorts of different things. It's crypto at the end of the day. But if you look at large institutional investors, if they could get that value without having to invest in Bitcoin, they use an electronic uh, tradable fund, right? A, um, a uh, exchange traded fund, an ETF, and it just holds a lot of Bitcoin or Ethereum. So all of these big institutional investors and banks and investment banks, BlackRock, JP Morgan, and 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 uh, you know investment groups like Ark Investments, I think they're actually doing an, eth an Ethereum ETF. That's kind of what Mance is referring to is that ease of access for big, big institutional money. If we get that liquidity in, that changes things. So it's big stuff happening. There are decision makers. Um, and of course, there can be very exciting things that happen within the ecosystem. There could be some crazy things we don't even know about. Um, for example, right? Um, X, right? AKA Twitter. Um, stepping into the game with those money money licenses that we talked about on the last episode, right? High profile um, brands that bring this top of mind to people. There's all sorts of things that could happen. Uh, but this week, what's going on? So we're going to talk about the fact that um, Hedera hit a major milestone. We're going to talk about some visa breadcrumbs and rumors. We're going to talk about um, my recent interview with Oliver, which was very interesting. We're going to talk about the domain space on Hedera, right? Always an interesting, an interesting story, one that I'm fairly knowledgeable in, in the space, so I can hopefully provide some insights. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, actually, this is a really interesting story is the, um, where is it here in my notes? Um, it is the Bob, uh, the financial accounting standards board is making big changes into the way that crypto is accounted for major companies. So this is a big, big story for Hedera, I think personally, um, uh, just because there's so many enterprises using the network, this is going to impact them greatly. Uh, we're going to talk about some Hashgraph Association stuff. Um, the HBAR foundation is looking for insights. Of course, we're going to talk about Elon Musk. He sent a funny tweet. Um, we're going to talk about centralization. Um, oh, Reuters did a uh, collaboration with Starling Labs, basically their use case for preserving trust in photojournalism, tokenizing photos and, the, and that metadata on photos to authenticate um, 
uh, point of origin. So we're going to talk about that. Citadel Wallet has updates. Actually, this update caught me completely off guard. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a use case going live on Hedera that Coinbase was highlighting recently. We're going to talk about doo -doo -doo, a lot of things happening globally. I want to keep this show a little tighter too. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. And with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, aka it's Brandon D. It is Sunday, September 10th, and you're listening to episode 93 of the Hashgraph Enthusiast show, The Decision Makers. This is the weekly news where we cover the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Um, we're going to talk about when this show is broadcast a little bit later, but it is available as a recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other platforms, um, so you can hear all the past episodes. Also, catch the Hashgraph Enthusiast interview episodes weekly, a new format for the show as we grow. I'm hoping to interview... I don't have it locked in, so I don't want to mention who I'm interviewing next, but make sure to follow. I'll be talking about who I'm interviewing next. It's a separate show from the news. I've split interviews and news. We want to talk about the news here. I want to I want to be able to focus on things and not have the show be super duper long. I want to have it be focused, so it's going through changes. Also, for folks listening live now, check out the mega thread up at the top as we dive into each news story. Also, take a moment to share the spaces with your friends, and if you've got some interesting news people should know about, click that comment button at the bottom right. Maybe share a photo of where you're listening from, and for people listening to the recording, leave a comment. Let me know your thoughts on what we're talking about today. Let's keep the conversation going. Um, so real quick, just before we dive into it, because the first story I want to dive into um, is about the domain space on Hedera, which is, a, I think, a very important story to everybody um, on a lot of people's minds. So if you have anyone interested in domains on Hedera and, and the renewing of those different things, um, make sure they tune in. I'm going to talk about it in just a couple minutes here. But right now, I just wanted to, to mention that this is actually the last episode of the news show that will be on Sunday. I'm going to change the time of the news show. Um, I've been doing this show since October 2021. I started on Clubhouse. The show has grown. You can go back and look at recent episodes. Some have, you know, 300 listeners. Some have 1,500 listeners. Lots of people listen to the show. Lots of people love it. And as it's been growing, it's been needing to change. And I've collected a lot of feedback from people over this year, especially. Um, the third year of the show, actually the sec technically the second year of the show. It's the second year of the show. And uh, got a lot of feedback. The community's grown. It's become more global. A lot of people that love listening to the show are asleep right now. A lot of people that love coming on the show are asleep right now. It's 7 p.m. here in Ottawa. It's, you know, 4 p.m. in LA, but not everyone's awake. And you know, Sunday nights, I think that things have changed. Uh, people's schedules have changed. My schedule's changed. So what I'm going to be doing is now that I've successfully split the show into interviews and news, that's been incredible because I'm no longer rushing the news 
and I can do interviews at times that work for guests and spend the time on them. So that's amazing. And now for the new show, I'm going to make the change to it. And the change is it's no longer on Sundays going forward. It's going to be at a new time. And I will announce the new day and time this week on X. So make sure to follow, make sure to stay tuned. And the show is going to change. Most likely, it's going to be at a time that works for everybody. Most likely, it'll be at a time close to noon Eastern. So on a day, it's going to be on a weekday. It's not going to be on the weekend. It's going to be on a weekday at a time close to noon Eastern. And I've received a lot of feedback. In fact, Coinman, the H Barbarian, lots of folks know him on Twitter. Um, they, uh, they, they, they love this stuff. Um, and oh, I just got a notification about a funky post on Twitter on the X community for the Hashgraph enthusiasts. If someone I got a boot from the group. Oh no. But anyways, Coinman, the H Barbarian, lots of folks know him in the community. I can't tell you how many times I uh, see tweets from him and he says, damn, I wish I was awake so I could listen to the show. He loves the show. And basically, he's asleep right now. And I'd love for folks like that to be able to listen to the show. So changing the show, we're changing it up. Now, let's talk about domains. And we're going to talk about .hbar domains, .hangry domains, .boo domains, .cream domains, .all those domains. Now, <clears throat> domains on Hedera, I think they're fantastic. I think they're beautiful. They're very new. There's not a lot you can do with them. Sure. Um, and just quickly, I want to give a quick rundown for folks just on domains in general. I've worked in the domain space a little bit. I've worked in the Hedera domain space a little bit. I, I have some useful insights that might be beneficial to the community. Um, and I just want to say first off that there are quite a few really great providers of domain names doing the best they can. It's a difficult business. It's a difficult business in Hedera. There's a lot that has to get figured out. And, you know, quite frankly, this is how things happen. Domains. In, on the internet were created because to connect to a website, you'd have to remember a bunch of numbers, right? You'd have to remember, you know, 192.168. blah, 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 an IP address or something. It was difficult to browse the internet. So you create domain names, which created .com, right? .commerce or .company, um, .org, .organization, .ca, .canada, .tv, not television, the island of Tuvalu. And now you've also got, you know, dot pizza, dot octopus, dot finance. So those are called top level domains, TLDs. And how that all functions is there is an organization called ICANN, which is the international, hold on, what does it stand for? It's very old school. Inter Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. So it's a nonprofit organization that basically keeps track of all the domains out there and prevents wires from being crossed, right? To prevent one domain name, if let's say you've got a domain name that you registered on GoDaddy, making sure that that same domain name can't be registered on, let's say Namecheap or something like that. So the current domain space isn't great on web two. It is centralized. You have to give over your credit card. You have to give over your information, but it works fairly well. And I'll give you an example. 
if I have a dom- like if I have a domain name, right? It's brandond.com. And I currently host my domain name with the registrar GoDaddy, right? Who most people are familiar with. And let's say GoDaddy hasn't provided me very good customer service. Um, let's say that um, maybe their company did something that I don't agree with. Maybe there's just something where I'm like, I just want to get off GoDaddy. And now let's say there's another company, uh, you know, Google domain names doesn't exist anymore, but let's just say Namecheap, right? So Namecheap is another domain name provider. And let's say Namecheap is offering domains at, you know, a dollar less. And I've had a good, I've heard, I've had some friends that have a good experience with them. Anytime that I want, I could have GoDaddy for any of my domain names. I could have GoDaddy give me something called a transfer code. That what I will do is I'll provide that to Namecheap and I'll effectively, it's not actually moving your domain name, but it's basically you tell ICANN, right? The central organization for all the domain names in the world that GoDaddy is no longer managing my domain name. It's another provider. And it's my choice and I can do it whenever I want. And the actual system of domain names is, again, managed by ICANN, a nonprofit organization, kind of similar to Hedera. It's like there's a there's a there's governance. It's it's as kind of decentralized as you can get in the Web two world. And so what that means is that companies like GoDaddy or Namecheap or whatever, they all have access to the same domain names, and their business competition with each other isn't about what domain names you can get, but instead it's what services they provide. So a lot of those companies provide things like website builders or email or certain protections or um, deals, sales, bundles, renew for one year or renew for 10 years, right? They, They compete on price, they compete on service, they compete on brand. So if you pay a little more at one company and a little less at another, Maybe one company has better service and better bells and whistles. Maybe another company is more basic, bare bones. It gives choice to the consumer. That's what they compete on. And those companies don't really control the domain names, right? They're basically just able to provide you those services and give you access to your domain name and different controls over it. And also, too, it's even crazier is you can have your registrar you know, that you have host your domain name. But the, the your your DNS server that actually is the the component of your domain name that controls where internet traffic goes, right? Where your domain name goes, you can actually host that somewhere else if you want, like Cloudflare or something. So the Web two domain space is actually pretty. Um, I wouldn't say decentralized, but it is definitely not centralized. And I would argue that the Web two domain sta- space is m- currently more decentralized than a lot of naming services in Web3, including Hedera. But we have to remember something and we have to look at the problems. And I want to approach this from a different way. So let's look at the problems right now that we're experiencing with domain names on Hedera, because most of the people listening to this show are familiar with um, domain names on Hedera. Now, Web3 domain names are really interesting and really cool because you don't have to give over your credit card info. You don't have to give over your business info. What you can do is you can just buy it with HBAR. You can just buy an NFT. It's beautiful. I think it's incredible. And 
anybody, because it's a decentralized um, ecosystem, anybody can build things to do things with your domain name. Hashpack just built into their wallet the ability to have profile pictures and have your .hbar domain name as your username. I think also it works with the .boos and .hangries and all that kind of stuff. So that is cool. And so people are building utilities for this, right? Web2.3 had a Google Chrome plugin. You can connect it to your website, type it into your browser. I think it's similar to like Unstoppable Domains. That's cool. Um, Hashgraph name, I think, did a partnership um, with Unstoppable Domains, I think. Pretty sure it was Unstoppable Domains to kind of connect with different dApps on other networks. So there's things happening. But the problem is, is on Hedera and also on some other networks, but because this is still in its infancy, because it's new, um, the actual repository where domain names are controlled on Hedera, it's a topic ID. And so the challenge is getting that topic ID where those domains are written to into the hands of an objective party, not any one of the or one of the current providers out there. You want to have the ledger of all the domain names controlled by a similar consortium, similar to ICANN and Web2, uh, you know, a, a, an organization or a DAO or something that has that decentralized nature to it. That's the challenge here. So of course, there's all sorts of problems that we have in the domain space right now, because you want to create a situation where all the providers compete on features, pricing, and services. And the people who own and hold these Hedera domain names, similar to as you can in Web2, they can at any time they wish move between providers to get the best service and the best price, or just to go somewhere that fits what they need. Um, that's how it works in Web2. And I'm a big believer that domains on Hedera especially, but also domains in Web3 in general, are better and more decentralized than the current offering on Web2. And we're not quite there yet. Um, but the problems that we're experiencing in, again, I'll go specific with the Hedera ecosystem, right? With the issue of, oh, if I, if I mint one domain name at one provider, how do I know that the other provider isn't also offering it too, right? There's still these kind of double minting issues. There's, 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 there's problems. There's incompatibilities. There's fragmentization. There's all sorts of different problems. The good news is that all of those problems have already been solved before, right? Those problems existed in the Web2 domain space. There were issues early on in the internet when you could go, again, for example, go to a GoDaddy and mint, you know, 123.com and someone else could also go to another provider and mint that as well. There's all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues. And the thing is, is that that was resolved and domains on the internet work fairly well. The whole entire internet depends on that infrastructure. Everything works through that. And quite frankly, the entire Web3 ecosystem depends on it as well. So that's where we're at. The, the bad news is, is that a lot of namespaces, a lot of domain ecosystems on networks, especially Hedera, are, are very new, lots of problems, and not as decentralized as just Web2 domain names.
right? But the good news is this is just the way it works. This is just how it happens. This is the struggle of being an early adopter. If you bought a thousand .hbar domain names, guess what? At the same time when they were having the same problems in web two, there were people that bought a thousand .coms and everybody had the same problems. Everybody was trying to figure it out. Domain names were the original digital collectible. People would buy domain names in like 1998 and sell them for 50 grand in 2004. They were the original digital collectibles, but the problem is you don't have true custody over it and it's not easy to sell. You have to have an intermediary. You gotta use cash, you gotta use credit cards. This is all sorts of issues. So we can make domains better. And um, I wanna say that, um, you know, the news here is that at this time, a lot of domain name providers on Hedera are going to be announcing what their offerings are to the community, right? And my hope is, is that the community can look at what the offerings are and choose what fits them best and that the domain providers can work together and find a way to decentralize where the domains are recorded and how they communicate with each other because that's going to be so critical for a thriving domain ecosystem. I believe that domains are so important and so cool. It's part of identity. Um, it's it's awesome to see people on like Twitter and stuff with like dot boo in their domain name because it's like, oh, they're a fan of dead pixels. What if I type in, you know, cool website dot boo into my URL browser and it goes to a website? You can do that now on Adara. So it's like there's all sorts of cool things going on. So. I think that my take is this is a struggle. It's a pain point. And all of these same problems that you're experiencing with domains on Hedera, it's a rerun of what happened originally with all of the original domain names. Because it's a matter of, um, it, it, there's a lot of legality, right? So for example, I'll give you one last example is, if .pizza already exists on web two domain names, right? If you type in, like you can go and get a dot pizza domain name at let's say GoDaddy or or something, right? Or Squarespace or whatever it is. You can get a dot pizza domain name now. So what would happen if somebody on Hedera minted a dot pizza and you could get dot pizzas and as NFTs? Well, what it ultimately comes down to is the courts. Is it's the it's the courts basically saying which one is the real one, right? Because you're going to have Web two domain names. You are you're going to have people with dot coms that migrate those over to Web3 and have them as NFTs. That's the big vision is I want to take my .coms, my .cas, my .orgs. They're, they're the same technically. They're the exact same. They're a database entry with an owner. They're the exact same as the domains on Hedera. And the, the hope is in the future, you can take all of your Web2 domain names, turn them into NFTs, where you have liquidity, where you can, you know, sub, the person who owns like, you know, abc.com, or let's say, you know, xyz.com, they can put that on Zeus Market as an NFT. So that's the dream. Um, but it takes a while to get there. There's a lot that has to happen. And conversely, too, you look at a domain name like .hangry on Hedera. Now, let's say that someone goes to ICANN and they say, here's half a million dollars. I want to do .hangry on Web2. Well, which one's the real one? It would, when it comes down to the courts, it would have to come down to the fact that the dot hangry on Hedera was first, 
So there's all sorts of different crazy things at play. The domain space is the Wild West, but I just wanted to give that context to the community as someone who kind of understands the space a little bit, specifically with Hedera, and just kind of say, this is part of it. Unfortunately, this happens with these kinds of um, these kinds of utilities where you have competition, but they're not really competing on the actual product per se. They're more competing on their service, on their pricing, on their offerings. So that's my hope. That's the situation from how I see it. I hope it gives people some context, but I think the news here is that um, one provider on Hedera, um, Hashgraph.name was acquired by BCW Group. Um, and basically, BCW Group also runs Hashport and Archaia. Um, so BC Group has taken over Hashgraph.name, aiming to lead its technical business operations. Um, and Hashgraph name uh, is responsible for, I would say, probably 80, maybe 90% of the .hbar domain names out there. Um, and yeah, about 18,000 uh, domain names. Um, and that's kind of the headline here. But I think the real headline is this, this baby ecosystem that's very exciting and very important. And I think that it's most important because it is Hedera. Hedera is the technology required to fix domain names in general. And, you know, the folks that we see in the space right now, um, the providers in the space, these are the people that are taking a first stab at it. And it's not going to be pretty. That's the same way it was in, in Web 2. If you want to be really early and you want to gobble up those good domain names, it's going to cost you. And the you're 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 essentially betting on the fact that this that this nascent industry will mature on Hedera and and more utility will be added, more integrations will be added, and that's what you're betting on. So it's really about where do your convictions lie and understanding that sure, as a collectible, just as the domain itself, it has value, but we need utility in the ecosystem. We need these things to do stuff. We need to type them into a web browser and visit the website without a Chrome extension, right? I mean, it's cool, the the, the Web 2.3 Chrome extension, you can install it and go to a domain name, cool. But you, we got to be able to do it without it. This has to expand. It's going to go multi-chain, but not only that, it's going to extend to Web 2. So that is the, that's the vibe um, with, uh, with domains. And I think... I feel optimistic. I feel optimistic. I hope that this transition and this renewal period goes okay. I know these providers are trying to figure things out. Don't quite know what's going on, but I have a feeling. So shout out to people investing in the domain space, helping out, being patient. You know, it's it's tough. And if you are over-invested, if you're holding too many and it feels like too much of a burden, it's it's really early. It just is really, really early. It's not even in beta. I wouldn't even say it's in beta. It's like an alpha. Who even knows if it's going to work? Um, who was it? It was, I don't want to, avalanches or algorands. Um, what, there's one network where their actual entire uh, domain space. Yeah. Um, Algo. Um, Algorand on six days ago, Algorand uh, closed their naming service. So they closed the entire naming service platform. Done. 
It broke down. It just didn't work. So these things also have a chance of not working. So um, it's really about it's really about three things, guys. Right? It's about remembering. It's about learning and understanding how Web two domains work. Right? The fact that you could at any time you want take your .com from one provider to another whenever you want. It's about remembering too that um, the big challenge in the Hedera namespace and and many others is centralization. So ensuring that the way in which these domains are recorded is done in a decentralized way that no one provider or small group of providers has control over. That's a big challenge. That's the second thing. And the third thing is, is remember that this is a problem that's been solved before, 20 years ago. It will be solved again. It's not unsolvable. Hedera is fantastic. And these domains have to be better than they are in Web2. So just keep that in mind. Be patient. Do your research, do your due diligence. Don't freak out too much. Um, and if you want to hold a thousand domains, you, you, you're going to have to pay whatever whatever's out there and you're going to have to take that risk, risk and reward. It's just the way it is. If you're looking at this as an investment, you want to drop you know, 10 grand on domain names, go for it. But you're taking on risk. And so that is domain names. I love it. It's fun. It's exciting. I have a bunch. Um, from all providers, I think it's cool. I think it's great. I'm excited. It's crazy. Yes. Am I stressed out? Absolutely. I mean, I depend on them. If you want to send a uh, contribution to the show, you can send HBAR to enthusiasts or sorry, enthusiast.hbar. I have one of those set up. If you send HBAR to that address, it goes to the show. It helps, helps up the show. I hope I still have it. So... Shout out to all the providers. God bless you. Let's see if we can get it figured out. Um, also, too, just to, this is a good topic. I want to get out of this too. So, um, the uh, who is this guy? Um, I love I love seeing this stuff. There's two stories in this vein that that, I, that I'm digging. So, uh, Surge. So, the executive director of developer advocacy for the Americas at Swirled. What a title! Um, shout out to Surge. Um, he put out a survey looking for feedback about token association on Hedera. I wanted to highlight it on the show. I tweeted it out. I think this is important. I want to encourage this from Hedera. I want to see Hedera more often tweeting out, saying, tell us what you think about this. We want to hear your feedback about this. You know, too often, I, and again, I talked about this with Oliver on Friday, right? The voice of Hedera. I said to him, the community feels cut out. Right? You're on the Hedera Twitter account and you're tweeting things out. Sometimes things are funny and they're getting deleted. Sometimes you're accidentally following Sony, crazy times. But a lot of times I said, Oliver, you got to understand that like, you know, you tweet out or Hedera messages out, you know, this has happened to staking or this is happening with the patent or this is happening to Swirls. And the decision's made months prior, but the community finds out about it way too late. And so I'm hoping this is a trend that we see with, you know, Surge at Swirls Labs. Um, saying, hey, we want your feedback on token association. We want to kind of keep you a little more looped in in this core feature. Basically, the takeaway here is they want to change how token association works. What I've heard in my conversations with, with folks in the community and the ecosystem is the vision of a solution um, would be, and just real quick for people unfamiliar on Hedera, um, you, before receiving um, like a token, right? If you, if I want to send you an NFT, you have to associate that token ID for that NFT 
um, to receive it. So basically, it prevents spam from going into your wallet. It's different from other networks where you don't have to do that. You can just send anybody anything. And so it's great because it stops the spam, but it's tough because if you've got a certain business workflow or if you want to send somebody something, they got to know how to do it. It's a pain in the arse sometimes. And so they want to figure out how to change token association. And the best um, solution I've heard is having something like a token inbox where you can just send people crap. And what those people can do is they can, however the wallets or dApps or whoever, how they want to display it is basically say, here, here's incoming stuff that isn't in your wallet that people are trying to send you. Do you want to accept it, aka associate it and receive it? Or do you want to just delete it or ignore it? And that would be great because it would mean that you could mass airdrop out to people and those folks could check their, you know, quote unquote inbox and decide if they want it or not. So that creates all sorts of different challenges, but all sorts of different opportunities. And the bottom line is Serge tweeted this out. He's looking for feedback. This is the chance if you're a developer or a founder in the ecosystem to share your thoughts on token association. This is what we are wanting. This is what we're whining about constantly, guys. We want more input. We want to, you know, be a bigger part of these decisions. We want to know what's going on. We want to be left out of the loop. So Serge put out a Google Doc form, fill it out. Um, let's do it. Let's, you know, make your opinion heard um, how you want this stuff handled. Token association is a big element of the network. Do you not like it? Do you want them to get rid of it? Tell them, you know, this is your chance to get involved. Any chance you can get involved, the better. And I know sometimes it's hard to find out how to get involved or where those links are. So <clears throat> what I want to do is I want to put, I want to put a command. I want to put an order out to the community. And my order to the community is this. My call to action is this. It seems like Hedera and Swirls are listening to the community that we want to be involved more, that we want to be heard more, and that we want to know what the fuck is going on with everything. And so what they're doing is they're sending out like really horribly written tweets and like posts on places that like we're never going to see because to be fair, they're not, you know, DGen Twitter people or X people that know how this stuff works. So it's incredibly hard to find this. God bless them, they're trying, but it's so hard to find where they're posting this stuff. So if you see it, share it in the community, spread it, make people aware of it, right? If you see somebody from Swirls or you see somebody from Hedera or the HBAR Foundation or the Hashgraph Association, posting on Twitter or wherever it is saying, hey, we're looking for feedback or we have a question or we want to explain something, tweet that out, retweet it, tag people in it, try to get it out there. Let's meet them halfway. That connection has to happen because we've, you know, people have felt like they're left out of the loop way too much. Even major developers, people that make the big wallets and the big DEXs, and the big dApps and the big marketplaces, sometimes they're left out of the loop too. Everyone's doing the best they can. Hedera's doing the best they can. Swirls is doing the best they can. But we can all do better, including ourselves, just a little bit. So my my suggestion, my ask to the community is if you see somebody at Swirls or any of those places with one of those posts like Surge put out, asking for feedback or looking for insights or with some information, get it out there, spread it like wildfire. Let's encourage it. Let's show them that, yes, we want more of this. We want you to share this information more with us. We want you to ask for our input more. 
We love this. So let's do that and let's see what happens because I think it'll be great. So shout out to Serge. Also too, um, shout out to Elaine from the HBAR Foundation. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Elaine put out a tweet, right? And Elaine is the head of ecosystem uh, strategy at the HBAR Foundation. And a lot of people are like, we don't know what's going on at the foundation. We don't know what they're spending. We don't know what things look like. We feel like we're left out of the loop. We feel a little distant. There's not enough connection. So Elaine tweets out, quote, the focus this week is more on-chain finance and we're working on our 2024 strategy. And she says, hey, H barbarians, give us feedback, questions, criticisms regarding our work. And, sh and you just comment on her post. And I commented on her post and I said, listen, we have a problem where we've got developers in the ecosystem that we love and they're leaving. There's brain drain. You are not going to find these people again. And Hedera should be terrified. The HBAR Foundation should be terrified of those people leaving the ecosystem um, because there's not a lot of money to be made in Hedera right now right? There just isn't. The ecosystem's kind of tiny still. It's a bear market. Everyone's doing the best they can. But I know developers that are switching to consulting, that are doing work for other networks or work outside of Web3. They're trying to pay the rent. They're trying to feed their kids. And what they should be doing is spending as much time as possible on the network. And the problem is, is the foundation just for a long time, just hasn't understood that. The association hasn't understood that. And I don't even know if it's a big priority for them. I don't even know what's going on over there sometimes. There's there's that transparency. So I'm always trying to say, hey, you guys got a brain drain problem, right? If you asked people in the community, if you asked every H barbarian out there and you said, okay, you know, okay, I see Fatboy listening. I see um, Glendale listening. I see uh, Tyler listening. I see Tata listening. I see... No Man's Internet listening. I see Lady H listening, Deepak listening. I see all you guys listening. If I were to ask all you guys and everyone in the community, make me a list of the top 12 contributors of network infrastructure or just the network. If I said, make me a list of the top 12 people that are keeping this network alive in the community for nothing, everybody would have almost the exact same list. And then the foundation to, should take that list and then they should help those people paying their rent. And I guarantee you, if that happened, we would be in a much better place come the bull market. Because if the bull market comes and all those people on that list are going elsewhere to pay the rent and they're not here, engines warm and ready to go, when things hit, it's going to be tough. These people are important. So I left her a comment and she responded and she's like, hey, um, an individual contributor grant slash funding pool managed by the community could be interesting. That's Elaine from the foundation. So you share thoughts, you have a conversation and that, and that's just another example of if you see these guys, if you see these folks at these foundations and stuff, asking for feedback on Twitter, tell them right in the thread, share it around. They're asking for it now. They're listening and now they're asking for it. Hopefully they'll get a little better at it, but I think that's great. Let's meet him halfway. Let's make it happen. That's the stuff that will move things forward. Um, and actually, too, I mean, just real quick on that point, uh, last week on Friday, my interview with Oliver Thorne from uh, Hedera, we learned a couple really, really, really important things about Oliver. So we learned that 
95% of the content that we see from Hedera on social media is created by uh, one man, Oliver Thorne, and I spoke with him. We learned that all of those crazy posts that were made, that some of them got deleted, right? Even the most recent one that got deleted, that was Oliver, right? And we learned that Oliver <clears throat> came to Hedera because he was in the cryptocurrency subreddit arguing and defending Hedera and learning about the network and making memes and posts and all sorts of things about it, quit his regular job and fought hard for a job at Hedera. And he ended up doing the social media stuff. And now he runs the whole social media team and he's effectively the voice of Hedera. Anything that you see on social media from Hedera is him. And most crypto Twitter, most of the X community relies on that to understand what the network's about. So it's important to break down those barriers and have a conversation with the guy, right? And I asked him, I said, listen, um, you know, what's what's going on with leaving the community out of the loop? What's that all about? I want to have a conversation about that. I want to know what your thoughts are about that topic, about that sentiment from the community. And he's basically like, yeah, it's true. And he said, not only can I speak to it, I was just kind of, you know, someone at Hedera or someone at you know, in the community, he's like, I was on the other side of it, right? The person running Hedera's social media started out as the person trying to find these breadcrumbs, trying to piece together research, trying to draw connections, uh, figure out who the next governing council member would be, whine about this, whine about that. He was a community member just like us, learning about the technology, getting so excited. So he, he had a really unique perspective on that. And he's trying to put his neck out a little bit and try doing more retail focused leading things for um, the social media stuff, commenting memes, uh, engaging more. You might've noticed that the Hedera Twitter account is starting to comment on tweets more and engaging and it's a slow process. He's got a lot to deal with. He has a lot of pressure on him, but it was cool to know that it's a community member that's running the 300,000 follower Hedera account. That's just trying to, reshape things a little bit to really kind of reflect what the community is about. So I think that was such an important interview to talk about those things. And it was also cool to kind of be like, hey, I asked him, I was like, what happened with Hedera following Sony? Because I said today, literally people are asking me, did, you know, is, was Sony going to be a governing council member or what's going on? And he was like, oh, uh, that was just literally, I opened the Twitter account and we were following Sony or I can't even remember what happened. And I just unfollowed it. I was like, what, what's going on? Nobody knew. It was just kind of like you have multiple accounts on your Twitter, uh, on your uh, app, on your phone, and you're just researching stuff or you're browsing through things. And it, it was just literally the first time there was like an accidental, accidental follow on the X account. And I was like, I thought about it and I was like, well, yeah, you're probably going to accidentally follow someone on an account once in a while. And when you're Hedera and you only follow governing council members, you know, so it was kind of cool to just be like, oh yeah, it was just actually literally a mistake. Now there's still a little part of me that's like, like who knows? Maybe he doesn't even know something like who knows? Was he, he can't even remember if he was the one that followed Sony or not. He just opened up the Twitter account or the thing was like, oh, we're following a new person and he was like, oh my God, what's going on? So who knows? Um, maybe there's a little more there, but for now, straight from the uh, 
the the guy with the finger on the button it was just kind of a random mistake similar to the deleted tweets he had a bunch of cool stories behind the deleted tweets um so that was really interesting go back and listen to that interview with oliver thorne the i call it you know he's kind of like the voice of hedera he's just like he's one of us he's just an h barbarian that likes memes and trying to do more of it getting tweets deleted and getting in trouble sometimes but um yeah cool to know there's kind of one of us out there um <clears throat> what else is going on here let's blast through a couple other items here this is uh this is good so uh oh this is a great thread so just real quick danny eid on twitter shout out to danny eid at d-a-n-y-e-i-d underscore always does great stuff he shared a little bit of a breakdown from the Hashgraph Association and their efforts and what things look like for them. And basically he wanted to share a couple updates on it because this was from July, 2022. And it was just a little refresh um, because they're going kind of into phase two and they were specifically mentioning some of the projects in 2022 that they invested in. So this will, this is just a quick little reminder and it'll be interesting. So some of them uh, was a couple we don't recognize, but there was Hash Axis, uh, Hello Future DAO, Kabila, Walla Wallet, um, and then a couple others. But um, it looks like the Hashgraph Association is moving through different phases right now. And there's a couple kind of community type projects in there, which is exciting. Um, there's a couple other startups, a couple other enterprises. Rob Allen also talked about the fact that there's currently five or six active enterprise accelerators happening for five or six enterprises. And he said that three or four of them were on the governing council. He said that six more were going to be coming into the program and that they also have a pipeline. So enterprise stuff, a Hashgraph Association is rock and rolling too. So... I'm definitely paying more attention to the Hashgraph Association now. Um, and I think that there is going to be a lot of interesting things happening as they move through into the, the, these kind of second phases with uh, some of these um, partnerships they have with these use cases and startups and, and enterprises. So it'll be really interesting, especially the enterprise stuff. Um, by definition, it's an accelerator. They want to have enterprise stuff move quicker. So hopefully that's what happens. Um, funny mention too, Elon Musk tweeted out, live, live by the block, die by the, and then blank. He just, you know, his tweet didn't come to finality, uh, uh, drum roll sound, but uh, yeah, it's like, it's so weird how Elon Musk has kind of referenced hash graph. In, in a few ways, right? He tweeted out the H-bar symbol, but not really. It was it was the mathematical symbol for the plank or something. So it was a little bit different. He also, um, in an interview that he was on with, I think, Kathy Woods and Jack Dorsey, he specifically said, listen, if you want to scale things, if you want to have social media leveraging blockchain technology, it's not going to be a blockchain. It'll be a hash ledger. So we also have that. We have this tweet. So you could safely say that Elon Musk is very aware of Hedera and Hashgraph as a technology. Uh, there's also been many, of course, like rumors and whispers about, you know, has he been approached by um, Hedera? Um, it was funny. Rob Allen 
uh, on Friday with the H Bar Bulls show, Rob Allen um, was asked a question that was kind of like, hey, do you think that Hedera has reached out to Elon Musk yet? And, and Rob Allen said, um, you know, maybe they're calling every day. Who knows? Um, so obviously a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's kind of a well-known thing that there's they know of each other. And tweets like this, you look at it and you go, okay, from one side is Elon Musk kind of going, let's hype up blockchain with this kind of saying, this kind of um, tweet that grabs engagement, grabs attention, or is he kind of leading to the fact that he's not so bullish on blockchain anymore and that he wants to move on to other things? Or is it just a clever move where it's a tweet that appeals to both uh, per perspectives? It, it could also be that. Um, or maybe it's just a, just a random thoughtless tweet. Who knows? But it's there and it's top of mind for everybody. Can't not be, can't not talk about it. And that's that. Um, also too, just shout out to uh, Manu Cabrera from Kabila, um, who's always tweeting out great stuff. He tweeted out just a quick reminder in a conversation that was being had about centralization, the different components of it. Um, and someone tweeted out um, at Alt Crypto Gems, they tweeted, quote, Vitalik Bertrand, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce Vitalik's last name, the, the creator of Ethereum. Buterin, yeah, Buterin, what am I doing? That's one thing that I've become well known on this show is just pronouncing things horribly wrong. So if I don't, if I don't stop doing that, the show's going to lose a bit of character. So um, <clears throat> Vitalik Buterin stated that node centralization is one of the major challenges facing Ethereum. The three major cloud providers account for over 70% of the hosted nodes on the Ethereum core network, with Amazon Web Services accounting for over 59% and Google Cloud for over 6.1%. So Amazon runs Ethereum essentially. And uh, in response to that observation, Manu from Kabila tweeted the chart regarding Hedera that specified that no um, no provider can host more than two nodes. So Amazon hosts 6.9% of Hedera's nodes. And they have um, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, seven, seven. they probably have 24 um, hosting providers. So again, another layer of decentralization on top of the fact that it's decentralized by industry through governing council members, on top of the fact that it's geographically decentralized, on top of the fact that the it's equal weighting amongst governing council members and they're required to vote, yada, yada, yada. So again, another data point of how decentralized Hedera is technically in comparison to a lot of other networks. Sure, it doesn't have a thousand nodes, but it's interesting to look at. So shout out to Manu for tweeting that out. I think it's a great thing to, to bring up. I think that decentralization is a top of mind topic for a lot of people. Um, what else is going on? Uh, Proven DB and Starling Labs um, did a, an awesome um, demo kind of partnership of a technology that basically allows um, photography to be made more trustworthy. And this is really important in the age of AI and different things like that, where you don't know if something is what it actually is. You don't know if something 
was altered or was made by an AI or whatever it was. So you have to have a technology that tracks that, authenticates that, stores that history immutably and with ABFT security. So Starling Labs and Proven DB have partnered with, in a proof of concept with Canon, right, the camera manufacturer, and Reuters, the publisher, to essentially make it so when you're in the field and you have an end-to-end -end content authenticity system, so when you take the pictures, they're authenticated and logged on Ledger immutably. So that way, when you're reading a news article or what have you, you know that the image that you're looking at hasn't been altered. And that's going to be so important going into the next phase of, of the internet and content, especially with AI. So that's a big story. It's pretty technical. Um, and it's one that's been around the ecosystem for a while. We've talked about it quite a bit. But this, I just wanted to kind of share that headline of an actual proof of concept featuring Canon. And also this proof of concept leverages other networks, not just Hedera. So this is this is kind of a really cool proof of concept. Uh, it's it, you could you know it's it's multi-chain, it's involving authentication. It's a great exercise of immutable authentication. So, shout out uh, to uh, photographers everywhere um, that want to ensure that things are uh, you know authenticated. I I, I guess um, a little bit of a breaking news story today. As I was just browsing the headlines, um, this headline crossed my mind. The headline is, deeply concerned, Fed issues serious $120 billion crypto warning as price, quote, death cross looms for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now, let's talk about the article. Now, let's talk about how, like, what this is, what's actually going on. So, basically, it's a, it's like this kind of doom and gloom type thing where, You've got the death cross indicator. What is the death cross indicator? And we're talking about charts. We're talking about those charts that you kind of see in movies and uh, commercials during football games. The death cross indicator is a technical indicator that occurs when the 50-day moving average falls below the 200-day moving average. This is seen as a bearish sign and such a pattern could soon form for Bitcoin as well. So basically, it's a long time frame. Those moving averages are basically um, the 50-day is what's been the average price over the last 50 days. And what does that look like as a bit of a trend? And then, of course, the 200. So what those basically tell you is it gives you a sort of confluence. It gives you a confirmation of certain hypothesis of what could happen with a price action of an asset. To support a theory, to say, I think Bitcoin's going to go down. And then you go, oh, there's a death cross. Oh my goodness, that makes it more likely it's going to go down. So this article is looking at a few points. The price of Bitcoin has fallen back to its previous levels before BlackRock's landmark spot Bitcoin ETF filing, right? We saw that recently and we saw a little bit of a pump and now we're back down. <clears throat> there are concerns about a death cross for Bitcoin and Ethereum. A top Federal Reserve official, Michael Barr, expressed deep concerns about the $120 billion stablecoin market that has grown rapidly over the last few years. This market is closely associated with the prices of major cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. So what they basically mean is the amount of stablecoins available, 
how liquid it is and how like not uh scammy it is based off of the health of the overall market. The stablecoin market, particularly Tether and USDC, has expanded to approximately 120 billion in recent years. Uh, and US lawmakers are actively working on regulations for stablecoins. There's debate on how much autonomy state regulators should have in this domain. Michael Barr emphasized the importance of establishing the right legislative and regulatory framework before significant risks emerge. In June, the Federal Reserve Chair Powell advocated for robust federal oversight and stablecoin regulation. The chair believes that a strong federal rule is crucial. So basically what's going on? Well, this is an article written in Forbes. It's not a very well-written article. Um, and it's basically a, a death cross is something that people point out in like a discord chat and get spooked by. What does a death cross mean? Well, there's a lot of factors to look at. Of course, a death cross is not great. It definitely gives a bearish signal, but when you factor in macro economics and what's going on, uh, more generally, and also sometimes more specifically in crypto, there can be more acute catalysts for price. You know, this is an article essentially telling you that the price of an asset is going to go up or down. If you are reading a news article that is telling you that the price of an asset is going to go up or down, you're reading the wrong article. Nobody knows if somebody's telling you it's going to happen. They're full of it. And the best thing that you can do is understand what you are invested in and understand what things drive the price in that asset focus on the long term and hold dollar cost average don't get too stressed out this is just noise um it's just it's wild to see a forbes article um with a talking about a death cross and the uh and the fed in the same headline it's weird um so yeah uh, forbes is telling you it's going to go down or whatever i don't, who knows nobody knows if I had a nickel for every time someone told me something was going to go up and it went down or that it was going to go down and it went up, um, I'd, had an, I've have, I've, I, I'd have enough to buy a couple H-bar, let me tell you that. Um, also, 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 uh, Visa. Visa rumors, Visa breadcrumbs. Is Visa using Hedera? We, we are all waiting with bated breath. We've heard the MasterCard breadcrumbs and rumors and connections, right? We've talked about that at length on the show. Literally go back to any episode and you will find me talking about MasterCard and Hedera. I will not talk about that today, not because I've talked to your ears off about it week after week, but now I want to talk about Visa. Um, and this is essentially very speculative and it's exciting. So what's going on? Visa, the global payments giant is diving deeper into the world of blockchain, expanding its stablecoin settlement capabilities and forging new partnerships. But what does this mean for the future of digital payments? So we're going to talk about this. And if you don't know what a merchant acquirer is, Financial institutions that allow businesses to accept card payments from their customers, that's a merchant acquirer. Um, 
And why this story is interesting is this story involves a few key players. So of course, Visa, it involves Crypto.com, it involves Circle, right? The company behind USDC. It also involves um, NuVay or NuVi and WorldPay. WorldPay is a subsidiary of FIS, who is a governing council member on Hedera. So there is a subsidiary of a governing council member on Hedera working on a, I guess, proof of concept or pilot with Visa for stablecoin settlement capabilities. Now, what's going on? So Visa is expanding into stablecoins um, and they're, in, they're going to be looking at settlement capabilities to the, drum roll please, Solana blockchain. Uh-oh. Collaborating with merchant acquirers, WorldPay and NuV, and they're aiming to modernize cross-border money movement. So the pilots, they are, Visa's conducting live pilots moving millions of USDC over Solana and Ethereum. These pilots aim to settle fiat-denominated payments authorized over VisaNet. The Crypto.com pilot uh, was testing USDC in inside its treasury operations in 2021. So this goes back a little bit. This has been in motion for, for you know two or three years now. This led to a successful pilot with Crypto.com using, USD, using USDC and Ethereum for cross-border payments in Australia. Very interesting, right? As we've been talking about, Hedera has very big roots in Australia. The process has reduced time and complexity of international wire transfers. So back it up a little bit. You heard me say Solana. So what's going on? Well, we have, again, a subsidiary of a governing council member on Hedera WorldPay through FIS, a part of this. Why are they using Solana? Why are they using Ethereum? Why are they not using Hedera? So USDC on Hedera doesn't have a lot of juice in it. There isn't a lot of liquidity here. There's not a whole lot Visa can do on Hedera folks with USDC. If what they want to do involves stable coins like USDC, there, there ain't a lot of gas in the tank on Hedera. There's not a lot of liquidity. So you can't really do, you can't really make that happen. It's not easy. Now on Solana and on Ethereum, there's a lot of liquidity. There's a lot to work with. There's tons of gas in the tank. So that's why they're doing it. The infrastructure and technology that they develop, of course, will most likely be able to work with other networks. And that's not to say that in the articles that were published and by the CEO of Visa, it was explicitly stated that they will be working on multiple networks. So it's not the case that they are not building things on Hedera. And furthermore, um, <clears throat> the so this is this is where things are really, really interesting. So I talked about um I talked about uh, WorldPay being a subsidiary of FIS and FIS being um, a governing council member, right? And what I actually want to do is I just want to quickly uh, double check something real quick um, because who I'm about to reference is a... I want to see if I can get them on here. Uh, so, Hold on. Apologies, folks. I'm trying to 
find someone on X or Twitter. I'm having trouble. Am I spelling that right? Selperson. Weird. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it's the governing council board member. He's actually on the Hedera board. Uh, Salprasad, and basically, when asked if Hedera would be used for this visa pilot, um, he said it will be in subsequent phases. Have a look for more details. And basically, it was like, oh, so they are going to be using Hedera. Visa will be using Hedera. Um, that's crazy. Um, what's going on? And so after that tweet was shared of literally, you know, somebody from WorldPay, and he said, actually, actually, I'm going to delete that. He just deleted that post and it was like, oh, so was he not supposed to say that? Are we not supposed to know that Hedera is working with Visa? What's going on? And then a little while later, he tweets out, let me clarify here. My guess is based on this article. I do not claim to have any information on this as of now. So are we walking things back and backtracking? Does he actually not know what's going on? It's very interesting. Um, and... That's kind of where this stands right now is this is a breadcrumb. This is very speculative visa so far. There's no specific mention. I want to be very clear. There's no specific mention of visa using Hedera at all, but we do know that there are the MasterCard connections, right? With the FSCO stuff that Hedera itself was based off of visa right? The governing council structure. Um, and that we have the governing council board member, a part of an organization involved in the proof of concept for Visa, right? Commenting on this. And also the fact that the CEO of Visa specified they're working with multiple networks. And to be fair, Hedera would be the best network to build this on. So I think the big takeaway here is Reality check. Solana is more appealing to build on than the Hedera right now because this is a stablecoin use case. There's more liquidity, et cetera, et cetera. It's easier to sell to you know Visa's board members. Maybe they don't know what Hedera is, whatever it may be. And they've probably had it in motion for a long time. So patience. Let's see what happens. But I think that there's something here. Uh, don't know what it is yet, but um, I think there's maybe something here. I think that we might read these headlines now of Visa being interested in stable coins and using Ethereum and Solana, but I don't think it's crazy to think that next year we're going to be reading headlines about Visa trying out other networks like they said they will, maybe giving taking Hedera for a spin and doing a proof of concept on Hedera. Maybe we'll see that. Maybe we'll see it from MasterCard. Who knows? It does feel like things are in limbo a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, so... Uh, want to give a, a quick uh, mention to the Hashgraph Enthusiast show, the one that you're listening to right now, averages over 500 listeners every week on Spaces and hundreds more on podcast platforms. 
And over the years, I've covered every major Hedera News event, unpacked almost every juicy rumor, and hosted countless in-depth discussions with important figures in the Hedera ecosystem like, right, on Friday, I talked with Oliver Thorne, the social media manager for Hedera. Um, also, previously, I talked with the CTO of Dovu. Um, on the last interview, before that, talking about all sorts of juicy stuff with Dovu. And then before that, I talked to the CEO of MTech about CBDC stuff, all the stuff she's doing over there. Carmel Cadet showed out. That was a great interview. So there's all sorts of conversations happening. And I've been able to broadcast it all live with you guys. I love it. If you'd like to support the show, consider making an HBAR contribution like many folks in the community have been doing. Even a few bucks add up. Um, <clears throat> I see Fat Boy's listening. Shout out to Fat Boy. I'm taking his recommendation for some equipment to purchase for the show. We're getting close to our goal. We're over halfway there. Um, so I'm really excited to get some new equipment. Um, and uh, if you haven't tuned into NFT Table Talk with Fat Boy, do it. I think he does it every morning and every afternoon or evening at like 6 p.m. Eastern. So tune in, check it out with the ruler and cap. It's a great uh, show, very spicy. Not for the faint-hearted, but I love those guys. I think it's a great show. Tune in and a shout out to those guys. Um, also, too, if you want to send a contribution to this show, like I said, enthusiast.hbar. Go to your wallet, send some HBAR, it helps. Um, fun memos appreciated. I, I have people regularly send me like five or 10 HBAR with a super fun memo. It makes my day. Um, so so uh, feel free. Always appreciate it. The show's full Hedera address is in the podcast show notes. I'll also pin a uh, tweet to the top here that has that info if you want to um, hop in there and uh, send a contribution. It's greatly appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandedy.com slash hbar. Also, too, if you're listening to the recordings, leave a rating, review, leave a comment. It helps out. Tips on Galaxy. You know how it is. Brought to you by listeners like you. Um, let me see what I, do we have any other big old stories here? Oh yeah. So I want to talk about, uh, we got our one last chunky story here and then we got a couple other things to chat about, but the, the big chunky story here that I think is so important. Um, and I, again, this isn't specifically directed at Hedera, but it's so important for us to understand and I'll talk about why. So the headline here is the FASB introduces new crypto accounting and disclosure rule. In a move that's shaking up the crypto accounting world, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, right, FASB, has just rolled out a new rule on cryptocurrency accounting and disclosure. But what does this mean for businesses holding crypto? So a big topic in the Hedera ecosystem is Okay, so we've got enterprises and organizations and businesses that want to use the network for you know their hundreds or thousands or millions of transactions, and they want to pay for those transactions in HBAR. It's super cool that it's fixed to the US dollar, and that's great. But it's difficult for companies and businesses to hold cryptocurrency because it's just not clear of what the rules are. And it's not optimal. So there's all conversations about, can those companies have someone hold the HBAR for them, pay those network fees for their application, and then the enterprise or business can pay that company 
and have an intermediary, all sorts of different solutions. But this headline here has me excited because this might mean that those problems may no longer be problems. And I'll give you a quick overview. So <clears throat> again, you know, the, F the FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, is the primary organization in the U.S. responsible for setting accounting standards. And another term is indefinite lives intangible assets. So right now, crypto is considered an indefinite lived intangible asset. And what these are, are they're assets without a specific end date, like intellectual property or copyrights. And crypto is lumped into that. And that's not great. So the new accounting rule, the FASB has decided to implement a new rule on cryptocurrency accounting and disclosure. Businesses used to classify crypto assets as indefinite lived intangible assets, and companies holding these crypto assets have argued that the new rule more accurately reflects their financial condition. So a company being able to hold Bitcoin or HBAR in a way that benefits them and doesn't create those pain points that prevents companies from holding these assets. And I'll just give you a quick explainer of the old method versus the new method and why this is important for us to know just as kind of regular old HBAR investors. So the old method is businesses classified crypto assets as a indefinite lived intangible asset. This classification is similar to how intellectual property or copyrights is treated. In accounting terms, indefinite lived intangible assets are assets that are not expected to diminish in value over time and are not amortized. And the new method is, <clears throat> it's being introduced by, again, the F FASB. It requires businesses holding crypto to recognize losses and gains immediately. This means that any fluctuations in the value of their crypto holdings, whether positive or negative, must be reported in their financial statements right away. So in essence, the new method provides a more real-time reflection of a company's financial condition especially if they have significant crypto holdings. So it's simple. If you have a company that holds, let's say, $10 million worth of Bitcoin one year, and the next year the price goes up and it's worth $20 million, well, that the company, that should affect their finances. And then the next year, if it's worth $5 million and it goes down in value, right? It just makes more sense. It's more close to the bone. It just works better. So... By recognizing gains and losses immediately, it offers a clearer, more up-to-date picture of the company's financial health. This change is significant because it can have implications for how investors and stakeholders perceive the financial stability and performance of companies that hold crypto assets. And this essentially allows companies to add certain strategies and do certain things that would basically let them hold some HBAR and they'd be spending it relatively uh, quickly on their use case, and it might make things more simple. Um, and uh, that's basically the key question here is, as this as these new rules come out, understanding how does this affect enterprises using Hedera? Um, because this is a big change in accounting. And also what's important is, will other global accounting standards follow suit, right? There are other accounting standards that companies use, not just FASB.
So it's important to know if they're going to kind of align on that. So that's big. It's important news. Um, also, too, I just wanted to quickly say, just looping back on the visa stuff we were talking about, those rumors, there's a great tweet that Michael Garber, uh, a developer advocate at Swirls Labs, he tweeted this out and he said, quote, Hedera is so powerful, if the throttle were removed, a single shard could handle all of the 625 billion credit card transactions that were recorded in 2022 at nearly 20% of its maximum capacity. Fair ordered, non-blocked, and collision free. So what Michael Garber was basically saying is on the news of, you know, all the chatter about Visa and MasterCard and American Express and Discover and all these credit card and payment companies looking at blockchain and stuff. Basically, he's saying all those 625 billion transactions last year, Hedera could have done that without breaking a sweat. So that's really interesting. Shout out to Michael Garber. Um, that is a vibe. Uh, what else we got going on? Wow, we really got through the news. Citadel Wallet announces a second product in the midst of their ramp up to the official launch. So for folks unfamiliar, Citadel Wallet is doing a hardware wallet specifically developed for the Hedera network. This addresses a major pain point for the ecosystem being um, ledger wallets and descent wallets and all those other ones don't support certain types of transactions on Hedera, like NFT transactions or staking transactions. So Citadel Wallet has made a really cool, groovy hardware wallet that'll do that, made for Hedera. Super cool. And a surprise is they just announced this, or last week, a, um, a little card wallet that's like a little credit card. Um, it's got the same um, kind of NFC technology. It's got the contactless communication. It's fully Hedera native and you hold it in your wallet and then you can do all your stuff you need with it. You can tap the back of it on your phone and all sorts of things. It looks like it has a chip reader in it. So you can tap inside on the go and all different things. So very cool. I dig it. Um, and I think that it's awesome to see Citadel wallet thriving. I mean, they did an NFT drop of the, you know, the Knights of the something rather. I got some of those. It's a pre-order for a wallet. It looks like manufacturing is going well. I had the uh, founder of Citadel Wallet on the show earlier this year talking about plans and the wallet itself. Uh, so go back and listen to that episode, but lots of cool things happening. Citadel Wallet, shout out. I think it's great. And they have a Medium article <coughs> where you can go and read about it. And that is in the thread pinned to the top of this spaces. Um, Health Ready, that is a great use case that basically allows people with very rare diseases, very rare ailments and illnesses to um, privately share their health data and get matched up with um, experimental trials and medications um, to try and get better because it's tough for those patients to find experimental care for their rare illnesses. And it's hard for those experiments and trials to find patients with those rare illnesses. And so Health Ready leverages Hedera um, to match 
make that match happen and store that information securely and leverage Hedera in the same way that other health use cases have done that. And I think that's great. So shout out to Get Health Ready. Um, they just announced that they're live on the main net and they're vibing and it's newsworthy because they were featured by Coinbase recently. So I think that's great. I love to see it. Also, Zepsi, legendary community member, shout out to Zepsi. Um, Zep also too, a great example of why I need to change the time, day and time of the show. Zepsi is asleep right now. People like Zepsi can't listen to the live show. So this one goes to Zepsi as well. And Zepsi tweets out, reminder, Hedera is the premier and only DLT sponsor of the Bharat blockchain Yatra that is basically the, the Indian blockchain tour. They're going to be onboarding 50,000 developers and the Indian government wants to onboard 500,000 developers and it is sponsored by Hedera and Hedera will be the network that those developers are onboarded to. <clears throat> I love, love, love to see what's going on in India. I work with a lot of clients in India. It's a hotbed for innovation. It's very exciting out there and it's awesome to see um, an initiative like this happening in Hedera at the forefront of it. I think it's going to have a massive impact. We're going to see a big influx of developers in the ecosystem over the next six months. We need it. Let's make it happen. Um, also, in our last story, Nomini Rubin, the head of global policy for Hedera, she's been all over the map, interfacing with all levels of government at all sorts of different places. I love to see it. It's so important for Hedera to get out in front of that. They were just at the UK House of Lords, um, interfacing again with government. That's a very important element of the government um, in the UK. So I think that this is great to see. Um, uh, Nelmini's strategy is going well, I think. I support it. I think it's a good idea. It is definitely... <clears throat> At this time in the world, with the way that the regulatory climate is, it's important for Hedera to be interfacing with government directly. So shout out to Nomini. I think she's doing a cool job. It's going to be interesting to see when the kind of fruits of her labor are kind of brought to the fold. I think that it's going to be a slow burn on that. But seeing her out there speaking to Congress at different governments, right? Most recently, last week at the UK House of Lords, it's important. Um, they they took a cool photo to vibe. I'm into it. Uh, I think it's important to uh, to to be in that to, to be in that spot right now. Just got to sneeze real quick, so bear with me. And and uh, after I sneeze, we'll wind up the show. Okay. Wow, that was a dizzy. I had to mute it. It was that intense. <clears throat> so. Another week behind us and another week ahead. Uh, before I share my quick final thoughts for the week, a huge shout out to everyone listening live on the space right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that. And an extra shout out to all the supporters of the show. Contributions mean so much. And like I was talking about when I just booted up the spaces, this episode's called The Decision Makers. <clears throat> of course, lots of exciting things are happening in crypto. A lot of wacky things can happen that change um, the course 
of price and where the industry goes. Um, but the reality is, is that the total market cap of the crypto space is that of one company, basically, in you know, in the Fortune 50, right? You look at Apple, look at Microsoft, look at Google, any one of those, just one company is worth more than all, all of crypto. So <clears throat> you have to keep that in perspective that the reality is, and again, Mance Harmon, the co-founder of Hedera, said, you know, he doesn't see the bear market ending in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. That's just the reality. And he says, we are beholden to the regulatory environment. And he said, if, a big if, we were to see some shocking move in price before the end of that 12 months, would be for Wall Street. It'd be from BlackRock, from Fidelity, from JP Morgan, from Goldman Sachs. It'd be from investing firms like ARK Investments and all those different types of things, Kathy Wood, all the usual suspects. Yeah. It would be these new spot ETFs for Bitcoin and Ethereum that are awaiting approval. And then you got the SEC battling them, all these different types of things. It is the decision makers. People are making decisions in a very weird and decentralized and confusing way that benefits barely anybody. And it's very frustrating, but it turns out that's just what we're dealing with. It's not the case that some governing council member or use case on Hedera or some other network is going to flip a switch. <clears throat> what it's going to take is it's going to take one of these big wigs to make a move. It's going to take a Bitcoin spot ETF getting approved and billions of dollars of uh, liquidity flowing in from institutional investors. It's going to take regulatory clarity at a large scale nationwide in the US, right? It's going to take the decision makers to make a friggin' decision about something <clears throat> for better or for worse. And that's kind of where we're at. That's the reality of it. It sucks. But the plus side is, is that the narrative is changing around crypto. It's no longer about monkey JPEGs and poo-poo coin, right? People are talking about real world assets. They're talking about diamonds. They're talking about houses. They're talking about securities. They're talking about real estate. They're talking about carbon credits. They're talking about trillions of dollars of assets and that is currently happening right now on Adara. $50 million of diamonds tokenized on Adara. <clears throat> $500 million of, of literal securities tokenized on Adara. <clears throat> 16 billion pounds worth of mutual funds tokenized on Adara. These things are happening. They're also happening on other networks. Shout out to the other networks. We're all in the same boat. A rising tide raise all ships, etc., Etc. But it's going to take up the decision makers. It's going to be up to them, unfortunately. <clears throat> Gary over at the SEC, um, Ding Dong over at some investment firm, uh, Joe Shit the Ragman over at the other investment firm, and Bob's your uncle over at the you know the, the central bank and whoever else it sucks. But that's what it is, and. That's the bummer. But I mean, the good news is, is that the decision makers are, want, want to be a part of this. And I just hope that networks like Hedera 
make the right moves. And I, it's good to see Nomini out there interfacing with governments. It's good to see Hadira being careful, right? Even though it drives me crazy, you know, let's buy a sports team, right? Let's buy them, um, you know, let's sponsor something crazy, right? Let's put Hadera on the side of, of the big glowing orb in Las Vegas. Let's put Lehman's face on that. Let's spend a, Let's spend $20 million putting Lehman's face on the big glowing orb next year. I want to do that, but Hedera's not doing that. Hedera is very boring sometimes. They're the adults in the room. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know quite how I feel about it, but it is where it is. And it seems that right now, <clears throat> what it comes down to is, can you become a decision maker? Right? That's what the big question is. And I look at Hedera. And I go, okay, so if it comes down to the decision makers, if everybody's just saying, we got to wait for regulatory clarity, we got to wait for this ETF, we got to wait for Gary to whatever, we got to wait for so-and-so to such and such. If everybody's saying that, can folks in Web3, can folks at Hedera become one of these decision makers? Can they have these decision makers a part of their ecosystem, a part of their organization? We're starting to see that, right? Look at the governing council. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for when I say it's up to the decision makers, that is just the way it's going to be. The decision makers will make the decisions for now. That's the way things are. We're hoping it's not going to be that way. That's why we're buying all these poo-poo coins and doo-doo NFTs and whatever it is. We're trying to make this thing work. We're trying to take it away from the decision makers. But that's how it is for now. And I'm hoping that folks from these networks can be these decision makers too. And with that, it's a wrap for Hashgraph Enthusiast News, episode 93, broadcast live on Spaces. And like I said, another note, and I want, to, I want to make sure people know this. This is the last episode of the show that will be broadcast on a Sunday. There will be no more Hashgraph Enthusiast News Spaces broadcast on Sunday. It's going to move to a new day at a new time. Things change. Things grow. The Adair ecosystem has grown. People listen to the show from all over the world. I've had to make a lot of changes to the show over this year. The show has changed so much behind the scenes from how I do the research, from how I book guests. I've split the show in two. I've separated interviews and news. I did my interview last Friday. I did news today. The show is changing. So follow me, follow along. There's going to be more changes, including the new show, Changing Times. It's moving. And it will probably be on a weekday. And it'll probably be um, at lunchtime. Eastern. I'm trying to find a better day, trying to find a better time. I'll put some polls out or whatever. We'll figure it out. The show's growing. The show's changing. I love it. I'm so proud of this show. I'm so grateful to this community for supporting it. Um, and uh, yeah, just stay tuned in. And remember, it's recorded. It's available on major podcast platforms the following day. So if you miss it, it's no big deal. You can go listen to it. It's all gravy. Also, stay tuned for my next interview. I don't know who it's going to be with. I have a lot of interesting, fascinating guests planned. Make sure to go back and listen to the last episode, 92. That was my interview with Oliver Thorne, the head of social media for Hedera. 
If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can send an HBAR contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. The show's full Hedera address can be found in the notes on the podcast platforms and this and that. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. And I'll see you whenever for the next episode of the news. I'm going to figure out what day it's going to be. Follow along. Let's make it happen. And as usual, look around who's listening on the spaces right now. I see all of you. If you see someone interesting, maybe you know them, maybe you don't. Maybe you do know them and you haven't talked to them in a while. Click their profile picture now because I'm going to end the spaces. So do it now before I end the spaces. Click their profile picture, send them a DM, ask them what's new, see what's up. I guarantee you it'll be a great conversation. Let's stay connected. That's what this is all about. Web3 is about connection. So make some connections right now. Because I'm going to end the spaces. Hello, future. Goodbye, past.